0: welcome to Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about news and issues, but we do from a law enforcement perspective. And let me go ahead and uh, introduce the crew to you guys if you don't mind waving for the video portion of our show. And I believe that everyone is retired this evening. We have attorney and former federal prosecutor Ward Mythaler. And we also have, uh, let's see, uh, Captain Brett Bartlett, Lieutenant Randy Sutton. We have Corporal David D. Gresta, and we have Officer Lindsey McCall-Long. Oh, I I forgot the chief. We have Chief John Newman. The pictures are all over the screen here. And we have Producer Will Statzer. So I think I got everybody. Uh, Also, a shout-out to our sponsors. Uh, We have GALS, uh, GunLearn.com, Guardian Alliance Technologies, big news item involving Guardian coming up, Uh, MyMedicare.Life, Tack-Tote.com, and we are powered by Bang Energy. Another video, this is on, of course, this is Butter, Uh bullet county man shot by sheriff's deputy in the back of the head while driving away. Um, so yeah, we got another uh, bullet to the back of the head. Um, so Kessler's attorney um, is, uh, is I guess arguing, and so that's a guy involved in this. He's arguing body cam footage released from the shooting contradicts the official account and shows that there was no one in front of Kessler or anyone in danger when he was shot while driving away. So Kessler is our driver. So deputies called to the scene to report of an abandoned vehicle on Cedar Lick Road and. Uh, They were unable to wake up Eric Kessler until bashing a hole in the passenger side window. And they say that, look, I'm not writing the article, but it says he was dazed, disoriented, sleepy and startled. But this is in the lawsuit, right? So it's a little bit slanted. Um, His foot was on the brake. Car was in drive. So with flashlights shining on him, a deputy gentleman him to put the car in park. Our bad guy, Kessler, initially nodded and he uh, twice put his hands in the air as if to surrender. And this is according to the lawsuit in the body cam footage obtained by WDRB News. Uh, But then Kessler puts the car into reverse, smacks into a deputy's cruiser behind him before he attempts to drive away. Now he's going forward and around another deputy's vehicle. And as he drives away, one deputy throws a hammer at the car and Hibbs, shot from behind the vehicle eight times, ends up hitting Kessler in the back of the head and in the spine and kills him. So the other deputies at the scene did not fire any shot. So the lawsuit argues that Kessler was not fully awake as the deputies yelled at him from different directions, flashed lights at his face, menaced him with sledgehammers, batons, all this kind of stuff. And it says that uh, they're emphasizing the fact that he was uh, simply, quote, asleep unconscious just seconds uh, ago. So that's the way this goes um not necessarily an easy video to watch um comments on this what do you guys think? anybody Brett, you want mm-hmm. I,
1: I, I you know i I thought the threat had pulled away from him, chip you know i I, yeah. I i really I didn't think there was much of a threat to begin with but i yeah, I wasn't really too thrilled about the shooting i don't, I'd like to you know what they saw at the end of their gun um i I, I you know you have one guy throwing you know Metal at him. The other guy throwing lead at him. I, I didn't think. I didn't. I wasn't a. Didn't think it was as good as it could have been. That's for sure.
0: Thanks. All right, Randy. Write the check. <laughs>
2: oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ward, Ward, Brett, and David. Go, ahead, guys. This is another example of fleeing car derangement syndrome. For some reason, for some reason, cops just can't handle fleeing cars.
0: I, I cannot argue with that. What, I mean, what happened? There was a
2: taser attached to the front of his bumper. Ward would that make a
1: difference? <laughs>
0: oh, because between man.
1: your between your comments about the taser and <sighs> us listening, to de-aggress to how he picks up chips at yeah you know, at the bars by having
3: their pants, you know, it's crazy tonight. Just crazy. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't I don't. It's it's effective. That's all I can tell you. I don't know what the, I don't, other than that. I can't I can't speak to that. Um. Yeah, I'm with John, unfortunately, on, on this as well. And, and the, uh, the, issue, the issue at hand is, is, guys, and we've talked about this before, if you want to immobilize that person so that they cannot leave the scene because you're afraid they're intoxicated, they're not breathing, they're having a medical issue, whatever it happens to be, then that's what you've got to do. You've got to put one car tight against the front, one car tight against the back, and then what happens, happens. But if you're out in the middle of nowhere – then and no one else is going to be in danger but you then that's the other side of that coin you got to take into consideration and you let this get way out of hand and then it turned into a mess so that, that was not good anywhere any way you looked at it
0: we got a minute and a half left brett and lindsey
3: I, I was encouraged by the fact that
0: they were talking they were planning okay they were getting it all together but the but the cars weren't in the right place uh, now could, could we argue this Totally circumstances he is so drunk and such a danger that if he drives off, he's going to kill another human being driving down the road. Or are we in this position now where cops are going to, have to go, hey, it's going to suck to be them down the road, but I'm not shooting that guy. I'm not going through this crap. Again, this is one of those conditions that needs to be memorialized and studied and written very specifically into an SOP. Thank you. All right. Um, I guess we got no one else. And I noticed that FLG man just just donated. Hey, FLG man, John, FLG man just donated. Not good show.
1: job, FLG. But yo, know, you we'll look at a video later though with those troopers at the zoo. I mean, it was the same thing. They just moved out of the guy's way. You know, I mean, obviously it wasn't to the heightened situation that this one is, but they knew they got they, they got out of the guy's way. You know, you and and eventually they caught up on the second time, but. You know, I think you're right, Brett. In a wide open space like that, why put
0: yourself in that position? All right, excellent. If there's nobody else, and thanks, yeah, guys. Just,
3: just,
0: just go one ahead. more thing.
3: Basically, oh, here, here's a choice: sued by the dead guy in the car, or sued by the family of the people he kills.
0: Thanks, Captain. All right, guys. Time for another commercial break. We'll be right back. You know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning, and they've made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and only company to offer a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. They provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that LEOs need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. You can start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. You can also get free training for yourself and the personnel of your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at GunLearn.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable show. And if there's nobody else on the uh, on the last one, and guys, we are in our last uh, ten minute stretch before we get to the the, uh, the first half of the show ending. So we whatever topic we're talking about towards the end of this ten minutes, we'll uh, close on that one. Uh, but we're on policemag.com. Uh, many Chicago cops remain unvaccinated as mandate deadline passes. So uh, it says that uh, uh, the latest deadline for Chicago Chicago cops to get the COVID-19 vaccine it came and went on Wednesday. And up to 681 police employees or five and a half percent of the department could be refusing to get the vaccine without a valid accommodation in place. Uh, under a, a court ordered arbitrators ruling back in February, uh, the approximately 12000 employees of the Chicago PD had until April the 13th to get the second shot of the Pfizer vaccine and Moderna or the first shot of the Johnson & Johnson version. And this is reported by the Chicago Time or Chicago Tribune. Now, the city did not have more updated figures on Wednesday, but as of Monday, uh, 2,120 police department members remained unvaccinated. And not all unvaccinated cops uh, were running the risk, I guess, of losing their uh, jobs because uh, it says uh, 1,439 of them were approved with religious and medical exemptions. And it says a greater number of department employees. 3,254 have been denied their exemption request and 571 are still waiting on a response on their application. So a little bit of a backlog there. Um, So that's the latest with the COVID vaccine mandates. If there's nobody on that update, then I'll jump to our next one. I think we've got a main article coming up here. And yes, we're going to be talking about SCOTUS. And I think, uh, Ward, I think you might've sent me this. This is on lawofficer.com. At least I found a a version of it on there. Uh, SCOTUS to decide if police can be sued over failure to read Miranda rights. And I found this just fascinating because, you know, as seasoned cops, we all know that there are times when and when not to uh, miranda someone. Um, you you know there's av- it could be advantageous to do it either way uh, at times. So the Supreme Court uh, will soon decide a Fifth Amendment related case over whether a person accused of a crime can seek relief if a law enforcement officer fails to recite Miranda warnings. And this is reported by the Washington Examiner. So the justices on Wednesday heard arguments in the case of Vega versus Tico, which calls to qu- in the question whether a person may state a claim for relief against a law enforcement officer simply on an officer's failure to provide the warnings prescribed in Miranda versus Arizona, which of course is the landmark 1966 uh, case that protects the Fifth Amendment against self-incrimination. It says the case surrounds a procedural dispute stemming from a law enforcement officer's failure to recite Miranda warnings to a California hospital worker who was Terence Tico. And he was accused of sexually assaulting a patient back in 2014. Now it goes on to talk about um, in 2014, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Deputy Carlos Vega took Tico to a private room uh, to talk, uh, but did not advise Tico of the Miranda rights, including a notice of one's right against self incrimination you know, during police custody. The defendant was eventually found not guilty by a jury, despite having his unmirandized statement introduced in the prosecution's case. Tico, our bad guy, claims the officer accused him of groping the patient and lied about the incident being caught on camera. And following the acquittal, Tico used Vega in federal court, accusing the officer of violating his rights by failure to mirandize and accusing him of forcing a confession. So that's where we've got. Uh, we're six and a half minutes out from our first break on this. Uh, you know, I guess our, our last break on this show. Uh, Ward, go ahead and start us off.
2: I am really looking forward to the Supreme Court's decision on this. I, I think Miranda is misunderstood by a lot of cops, certainly by the, third, the Ninth Circuit here. Miranda, in my opinion, did not create a constitutional right to be Mirandized. So I think the guy loses his case. And I think the Supreme Court will hold that he loses this case. What Miranda said was, you cannot use what he said in evidence if he's not mirandized it's more of an evidentiary ruling not a constitutional rule and as you just pointed out there may well be instances in which you do not want to mirandize somebody because he may not give you information you may need information to to, to find a child who's been kidnapped whose life's at stake and the guy might shut up if you give him Miranda warnings i as a prosecutor was allowed to use un statements on cross-examination now if there's a constitutional violation i would not be allowed to do that so I I I think this is a great issue, a related issues is whether there's a "fruit of the poisonous tree" doctrine that stems from un statements. I don't think there is, but um, I predict the Supreme Court will uh, rule in favor of uh, or against the plaintiff here. By the way, the the, um, the United States has taken the position there's no uh, there's no constitutional right here. The constitutional right only comes in not having it be used at trial, and and even that I have some question about.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm like you, Ward. I, I'm. I'm excited to see where this goes. So, um, uh, I, I would be shocked if it if it gets any steam. Um, any other comments on this? If not, and I tell you, Ward, you're so right. You give someone the Miranda warning. I see Randy's ready to go. You give somebody the Miranda warnings, and man, they they clam up immediately. What do you think, Lieutenant?
3: I think if you get excited over this ruling, you got to get some help. <laughs>
0: Oh, come on. It doesn't take much these days, Randy. I got it. <laughs> I know. It I know. Way.
3: That's what I'm saying, buddy. You need to take a trip out to Vegas.
0: Oh, that's a good man Is that an invitation? Because he didn't invite me to his booth at police week. So, But I might take him up on the Las Vegas thing. I don't know. As long as I can bring my wife, of course, Randy. So um, if there's nobody else... All right, we'll go to our next one here then. Uh, let's see, we've got another update Policemag.com and Police One, agency support initiative to have 30% women recruits by 2030. And of course, uh, this is 2022. It's called the uh, 30 by 30 initiative. So police departments, and agencies across the country, they're setting their sights on employing more women as sworn officers. And this benchmark of police recruit classes reaching 30 percent women by 2030 was set as a goal when the 30 30 initiative launched just over a year ago. Another part of the goal is to ensure police agencies and culture intentionally support the success of qualified women officers throughout their careers. Notice they said qualified. So according to the U.S. Census Bureau, because I did a little research, there are 50.8% in the population of females, so over half. And out of those, uh, 22.3% are under the age of 18, and 16.5% are over the age of 65, just for you know comparison. Uh, but again, when people talk about you know, blacks being a certain percentage of an agency, whatever I go to, hey, 12, 13% of the U.S. population are are black, 7% are black males. Um, Now we're dropping down to Wisconsin University PD. They want to revise the fitness test to recruit more women. So uh, on the same lines here, it says that... uh, uh, one Wisconsin police chief on a mission to recruit more women by creating a more functional police fitness test. And this is reported by WMTV. Um, it says Chief Kristen Roman of the University of Wisconsin Madison Police Department uh, says that otherwise qualified female candidates they actually failed the state mandated fitness test. It, it sounded like they're doing a Cooper's test. So uh, they, but these women failed it seven and a half more times uh, than their male counterparts. The test was doing time sit-ups, push-ups, mile and a half run, 300 uh, meters sprint. It's a Cooper test, Uh, vertical jumps, agility run, that kind of stuff. Uh, Now it says that Roman's working to create an annual department exam that includes more functional movements uh, like dragging a dummy and jumping over a three foot fence, which I'm in favor of task intensive tests because I was the lead fitness instructor at my department. Uh, I just wonder what their standards are gonna be. And here's a quote saying that I think um, the state test has some limitations in terms of how accurately they reflect what the job entails for a police officer every day. And it says that their sworn staff is 25% women, but Roman says that number is not good enough. so they want to increase that number. So that's kind of where we're at. We've got about a minute and a half. Uh, so we'll close out on this particular article. Uh, Lindsay, go ahead.
4: I think part of it is, I mean, the, the, that surprises me to hear about like the physical stuff. But I think the big issue is once you get the female officers, they're keeping them there because life changes happen. And some departments, um, I know some departments I've dealt with don't have policies in place after a female has a baby. And things like that. So then you're put in that position to feel like you have to choose between having a family and your job. Um, and so uh, I think that's one of the things departments can do to help, you know, retain the officers that they do hire that are female. Is you know having policies in place, lactation policies, having a nice outline for what happens when you're on light duty, when you're pregnant, and not, you know, it sucks being on light duty. I don't care if you're pregnant or injured. Um, but also not just kind of isolating the person off to a corner somewhere where they're never seen again. Um, Cause we're different and it's okay that we're different. We just have to recognize that and kind of have things in place to keep us, keep us in place.
0: Thanks Lindsay. All right. Uh, John and David, you got 40 seconds. Uh, go ahead guys.
3: Oh, I'll, I'll yield
4: to Dave. Go ahead. I'll talk on, on the other end of
3: the break. The, uh, you know, the, the, the problem with stuff like this is when, when you get agencies start acquiescing to quotas, because that's what this is turning going to turn into is quotas. Then, Everything starts going sideways, and anytime you do that, and Lindsay made all good points about uh, acquiring and then retaining qualified employees, but when you start getting into quotas, you, we, we've all seen what happens from that, and it's, it's never good.
0: Absolutely right, David. That is the main concern I have with any kind of a quota system. Um, so uh, so ditto. Thanks to everybody uh, that that supported the show through donations. Thank you, guys. Thanks to our sponsors, Gulls, Guardian Alliance Technologies, GunLearn.com, Tack-Tote.com, and Bang Energy for powering us. Um, I hope everybody has a wonderful safe week. Take care.